Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Honorable Mayor, ladies of the Women's Historical Society, distinguished guests, friends. Hey, Otis. Otis? Otis? <laughs> Can you spare a minute? This is my acceptance speech for the award. I, I want you to listen to it, <clears throat> Ladies of the Women's Historical Society, distinguished guests, friends, and neighbors. I stand before you a humble man, all choked up with humbleness and humility. In accepting this award, I can only say I feel grateful to you, Honorable Mayor, ladies of the Women's Historical Society, distinguished guests, friends, and neighbors. I was born right here in Mayberry of humble parents in a humble home. And I will long remember this day, Honorable Mayor, ladies of the Women's Historical Society, friends and neighbors. You forgot distinguished guests. Oh, yeah, distinguished guests. <laughs> I can see you come in. I think you ought to get another award for humbleness. <laughs> I know the better, huh? I might. Better take out one humble. I would. You know, it's been my experience that most folks who talk a lot about humility are the least humble people that I've been around. Not always, but that's usually the case. It's the folks who are, um, have a humble spirit that, that really don't want attention to be drawn to themselves and, and so consequently have little to say about humility. But the scripture has a lot to say about humility. In fact, this attitude of humility is one I think that's lacking in the kingdom and lacking in certainly lacking in our culture. And I think it's lacking in the culture because it's lacking in the kingdom. I don't think we're modeling that to the kingdom very well. So turn, if you will, to Philippians chapter 2 today. And I want us to look at a few verses here, verses 5 to 8 of Philippians chapter 2, and see what we can glean uh, together from this text today about this attitude of humility. Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had who, being in nature, very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, four things I want us to see today from this text about this attitude of humility. The attitude of humility, first of all, is never self-serving. It's never self-serving. Look at verse 6. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Uh, some translations will, will, in place of this phrase, used to his own advantage, will insert grasped, grasped, or seized even. Meaning that we take advantage of it for our own good, for our own grandizement, for our own glory. Uh, this idea that he chose not to do that uh, because he was deity for, for fame, for, for power, for exposure, for notoriety, uh, in this first phrase says that he was all God. He was fully God in every way. So he could have 
not been humble, and justifiably so, because he is God, in essence, to say. He's saying in, in the first phrase of verse 6. I want you to imagine with me the self-control that it takes for someone in his position who can totally annihilate or wipe out or change in an instant anything, anything and everything around him, the restraint that he has to pull back in, the reins that he has to pull back in to hold that for the proper time and the proper season. Uh, it's a great lesson for you and I. And the leaders of his day were, were, were trying to trick or treat him, more or less, to say, um, why, don't you, why don't you reveal to us uh, th this about yourself or ask him questions to try and get him in, in, in to try and box him in to where he would either reveal the fact that he wasn't God, re reveal the fact that he wasn't who he said he was, or they would arrest him for heresy, depending on what he said. And so they tried to trick him in that day, and he was, being all God, could have totally wiped him out if he wanted to, the, the uh, religious leaders of his day, but chose not to. Um, though, and this is a hard, this, this is a hard concept in, in, for people of faith to grasp, but I want you to, as best as you can, grasp with me that he was all, Jesus was all God, Perfect, sinless, uh, pure as wind-driven snow, and yet all man, on, on the other hand. And so with, with, with man's frailties, with his temptations, with, with all the things that beset us as, as humans, he, he was all God and yet chose to be all man. Why did he do that? I think he did that to show you and I how to, how to live and walk in the human flesh with God-like God desires, with God-like ambitions, with God-like attitudes. He was never self-serving. Um, verse 5 speaks to this a little bit. Look at verse 5 with me. It says, In your relationships with one another, have this same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had. What's he, what's he saying? He says, if you want to have a powerful testimony, a powerful story, live and walk this attitude of humility. It's going to, be, it's going, it's going to open doors for you to share your story about what's going on with you and in you. And in this self-consumed, self-serving selfie culture that we find ourselves living in, that's the antithesis of this culture. And, and you and I as believers often find ourselves drawn into that sense of mindset and culture because of the culture we live in. And so we, we, we think that life is it's all about us and that we, uh, life should serve us and, and should please us. And this example of Jesus here in, in uh, Philippians chapter 2 says to totally otherwise from that. So it, it, there's a choice we make then if, if we're going to live and walk in a culture that's so consumed with self, there's a choice we make every day where we are deciding to humble ourselves or we're deciding to follow the culture. We're deciding to think less of ourselves, see ourselves in a lesser mode, in a lesser place than, than we see others, or consider ourselves as important or more important than we're within. Uh, so I challenge us today, first of all, to look at humbling ourselves and watch how powerfully God will use that. Because I'm going to tell you, he will use that powerfully. In fact, in this, uh, this week's e-news, if you're not receiving that, make sure we have your email address. But in this week's e-news, I, I opened that with saying, <clears throat> my guess is the most influential people in your life, the people you remember the most that had the greatest impact on you, there's probably a good slice of humility with them. You know why? Because we admire that kind of stuff. Most folks do. And so if we want to be admired in our story to, to have deeper roots in people's lives, we need to learn to exercise humility to them and around them. God will show up to use that in a powerful way. The attitude of humility is never self-serving. Secondly, an attitude of humility puts pride in its place. It puts pride in its place. Look at the first part of verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing 
by taking the very nature of a servant. He takes himself, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Um, a number of years ago, <clears throat> when Hannah was probably, I don't know, eight or nine, we were watching a, a pro football game on TV, and this guy scores a touchdown and does his, you know, notice me dance in the end zone. And so uh, she says, Dad, what's he doing? I said, he's hot-dogging. She looks at me like, hot-dogging? What's a hot dog? I said, well, it's a, it's a showboat. She said, well, what's a showboat? I said, it's somebody with too much pride. Oh, okay. And that was enough for her. She walked away. This whole idea of, of our, our pride getting in the way of our witness, getting in the way of our story, is true for all of us because, uh, as the Scripture said, pride goes before the fall. And if you and I want to experience a fall, just bring some pride into your life, and you'll find how quickly the Lord can humble you and, and bring you back to, the, back to your true self. Um, have you ever been challenged to put up or shut up? If anybody could put up, it was the king of kings. If anybody could have ever put up in any situation and revealed his godness instantly, it's Jesus. Yet he chose not to do that. This verse says he made himself nothing. Why? Well, I think to show us the power of self-restraint comes from God, not from ourselves, that it comes from him. Not only the power of self-restraint coming from him, it shows us we can see at the end of the story that we win. <laughs> at the end of the story, it tells us Jesus, together with, with his angels and together with all the saints, do battle against our enemy, the devil, and cast he himself and his demons into the abyss forever. We win. So this power of his strength until the winning, the, the, the winning experience is, is what he's talking about here, to, for us to hold back on that, to keep the reins back. It's kind of like falling behind in the game pretty early which is what Tennessee does a lot now. But falling, falling behind in the game pretty early, but knowing that Peyton Manning can come off the bench in the fourth quarter for you. That's exactly what he's talking about here to say, if you'll exercise restraint, you win in the end. You win big in the end. So exercise the restraint and find yourself in a place of humility before you get to the end so that your witness is louder here and there at the same time. Uh, there, there's, there's no room for pride in the life of a believer. Listen to these words in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because, watch this, God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud but, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. I don't know about you. I don't want God in opposition to me. I've seen it. I've experienced it. And I don't want that anymore. So he says here, find yourself in a humble place, and God, the scripture also says, will exalt you in due season. So if that's something you, if pride is something you struggle with, the solution there is not just to try harder. The solution there is to, the answer here is to lay that pride at the feet of Jesus. Today, I challenge you to do that here in this place, to lay, lay your pride at the feet of Jesus and pick up in its place humility. Pick up in its place a more humble spirit, a more humble attitude, a more humble way of, of, of looking at yourself and lock pride away and throw away the key. It is by his power that we're able to do that, not our own. An attitude of humility puts pride in its place. It's never self-serving. Thirdly, an attitude of humility is through and through. It is through and through. Look at the last part of verse 7. By taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, taking the very nature of a servant, the, the New Century version here, instead of the word servant, uses the word slave. It's probably a little more accurate to say 
it is your job as a slave to please the master. That's what a servant does. Um, just, in fact, like a good server at a restaurant would do, they, a good slave, a good servant, anticipates the need of the person before it's there and moves to meet that need before the person even realizes they have one. That's what, that's what a servant, a good servant, a good slave uh, does. And notice here also that there's this implication that we're not born with this servant's nature. He says here that we've got to take that on taking the very nature of a servant on. We put that on because we're born with me on, on the throne. We're born to, 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 to want what we want. That's why every cry of every baby is you, you hear coming out of the womb. Ah, I'm not happy. <laughs> Comfort me, give me, warm me, feed me, give me, give me my needs. We, we come out of the womb that way, self-centered and self-serving. And so that's, that has to be learned behavior. That's, that's, that's not in our nature. Uh, we take pride on by choice. So if it's learned behavior, there's discipline involved there. It's a daily discipline we, we, we have to, to, to put on, to, to die to self, and, and to take this nature by, by, by choice. So what does discipline look like? It looks like this. Discipline looks like making the right choice at the right moment for the right reason, and then getting up tomorrow and doing the same thing again and again and again making the right choice in the right moment for the right reason and getting up tomorrow and doing that same series of things again and again and again until that nature becomes natural. As we do that day after day, week after week, we make that choice to do the right thing in the right moment for the right reason. We put those disciplines in place to die to ourselves and to exercise humility. That becomes more natural. It becomes a nature to us instead of something that is foreign to us, as I said. So when that nature becomes natural, that's where this through and through idea is finding its way into conversations, finding its way into work, finding its way into hobbies, finding its way into our life. Matthew 23, 11 and 12 says this, that the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The greatest among you, he says, will be your servant. It'll, it'll seek to serve. This attitude of humility is never self-serving. It always puts pride in its place. It's through and through. Finally, an attitude of humility will always result in obedience. An attitude of humility will always result in obedience. Look at verse 8. And being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Humbled himself by becoming obedient to even death. Death here is the ultimate proof of our humanity. We think oftentimes that we're in charge and we have some control because we, we eat less and exercise more and our health gets better. Or we take certain medicines and our blood pressure goes down. Or we, <clears throat> we experience uh, greater disciplines in life in one area or, or the other and we conquer the, de the demon that had us befuddled there or, or whatever. And we think many times that we're in charge because... We make decisions, and circumstances change, and the outcomes change. What he's saying here is that death is a reminder of how little control we have over our humanity. In fact, death is something each of us are going to experience unless the Lord comes back before you and I die. And I'm looking for that today, even so come. But if he, if he tarries his coming, death, you'll experience death just like everyone else has. And so regardless of how, how long you prolong your life, and what you do to, to mess it up or, or, or save it or make it better. And in fact, that, that reminds me of a conversation I had with my doctor about two physicals ago. I said, 
How much does genetics have to do with your life expectancy? He said, a great deal. Uh, I, I said, well, my, both my parents died at around 82. And he said, in all likelihood, 82 is your number. But you take care of yourself, you, you could expand that to 83, 84, 85. But gen generally speaking, genetics have a lot to do with life expectancy. And so that made me wonder, I thought about that again this week, as I thought, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to 82, per se, but, but this idea of death, it, it's reality. And, and each of us are going to face that just as he did. And so he walked this road, all God, all man, human de uh, divine deity with human skin on, even to the point of death, experiencing, de experiencing death himself to show us that death has con ultimate control over us. This reverse, uh, verse reminds us that Jesus took on human form to experience those kind of things. And, and all the repercussions, in fact, that come with it because he was tempted just like you and I were. The scripture says he was tempted in all forms, yet was sinless. It remained sinless in, 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 the, in, the, in the outcome of that. He experienced grief. His friend Lazarus, you know, you know the story in John 11 where he goes to, um, to the tomb of Lazarus. And so he is, he is weeping because his, his, his good friend Lazarus has died. He's experienced grief. He's experienced weakness emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually, humanly. You, you remember his prayer in the garden before he is arrested. And he prays to the Father, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. The human side of him is crying out to the, to the divine side of his father to say, if, it's if there's a plan B, I'd like to see it. This would be a good time to show up with plan B. Yet, not my will but yours be done. Yet, not the human side of me, but the spiritual side take over. He experienced pain, 39 lashes from the, from the whip, the cat of nine tails that the guards used against him that Pilate ordered. And he's carrying the cross with blood running down his back and... and uh, down on the ground, and the, the centurion calls on a, on a bystander, an Ethiopian, to, to grab and carry his cross the rest of the way because he had bled out so much and he was, he was so weak he couldn't carry the cross anymore. His, his, he experienced pain in, in very real ways. And again, ultimately leading to his own death. He was all human, yet the constant through all this, all this human humanity was his obedience to what God had called him here to do. The question is this, what has God called you here to do? And are you finding yourself in a place of obedience to it, surrendering to it, in humility saying, God, whatever you want from me, that's, that's what I want from me. He followed through on, his, on the divine plan that sent him to the cross for your salvation, your redemption, and mine, and that could, that could only be accomplished there. So what have you been sent here to accomplish? What have you been sent here to do? And are you doing it? Have you realized that? Have you understood God's call on your life? It's impossible to walk in obedience without first being willing to humble ourselves before him and before others, uh, each other. God's, God's mission, God's plan for you is paramount. You'll only experience it and walk, find it and walk in it in a place of humility because obedience follows that. So a couple of observations as we wrap up. First is this. If humility is hard for you, and it's harder for some than others, but if humility is hard for you, I want to challenge you and encourage you to, re to re revisit the cross. It's the greatest picture in all of history, in all of this book of humility, total humility, of God humiliating himself, hanging naked on a cross for you and I. Revisit the cross and see what humility has done for you. It's far easier for you and I to exercise it uh, if, we, if we see that we're 
Because at the cross, we're powerless to redeem ourselves. We're powerless to save ourselves. It's only by what he has done there for us that redemption and, and salvation is possible. And finally, given the choice between humility and pride, between humility and arrogance, which, first of all, looks more like Jesus, and secondly, which is more winsome? Which looks more like Jesus in, in terms of our looking through, through a longer lens, having a longer view at life than most have, seeing the end that I would talk, was talking about earlier, seeing that in the end we win. That's why we exercise humility all the way to the end. We have to take a longer view to see that, that it makes us more like him. But it is also more winsome here. As I, as I challenged you earlier, I think the people probably that are most important, most significant in your life, our folks who have exercised a lot of humility toward you and toward others. Uh, this, it's, it's more winsome here. So if you want your testimony to grow, your influence to expand, your story to be heard, learn to walk in a place of humility. It, it'll expand your influence and your testimony. In fact, Jesus' life was an exercise in humility in and of itself. You can take the story of the Gospels and Paul's retelling of that all throughout the letters of the New Testament. It was a story in humility. That needs to be our story too. If he was humble, who didn't need to be in any way, you and I need to be desperately because he was. Let's pray. Father, teach us today the, the value, what a great asset humility is to our walk and our witness. How much louder our voice rings and, and, and is invested in others when it comes from a place that has a humble spirit and a humble attitude before it. Remind us today of your your exercise of humility again and again and again all throughout scripture in your inter in your interaction with the sadducees and pharisees and in the, in the religious leaders of that day trying to trick you and, and hang you up and, and arrest you and eventually put you in jail and kill you of hanging on the cross for our sins in a place where you didn't have to do that but you were fulfilling the plan of the father and carried that through in total humility so we could stand here today in relationship with you having been redeemed and saved so perhaps today there's one here who needs to humble themselves and receive you as their savior. Humble themselves to know you in relationship. Then the others here who know you need to humble ourselves to follow you. Humble ourselves to find our way in, in your will and your plan and your call and your purpose for our life. That's what you carried out. That's what you had to fulfill and did every step of it in humility. Teach us as followers of yours to walk in that place as well. So whether we need you as Savior today, would we seek someone out to, to introduce, help introduce us to Christ? Whether we need to follow you today as, as humble servants, anticipating the next need and stepping into it ourselves. Teach us the lessons we need to learn today and cause us to walk in obedience to them before we leave this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.